Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. So 81, you uh, changed the capital, a major label. Um, why the change and how did it what was the uh, biggest uh, change that you noticed? Well, I think we started doing more ballads. With, with Corey, Corey was a dance guy. So um, he was a dance guy and he was into disco, but he wasn't into ballads. Okay, so in those, you'll have a bum, but Capital, we did more ballads. We did um, not a lot more, but we did more ballads that were played on the radio. Um, but... The thing I miss about being on TK is Apple, the people they had at the time, they didn't understand T-Connection. And so, except for the first album and the one that I produced, because it was four albums, there was one with Ray Chu. That was a good album. I like that album. And then there was one by me, which I do like that album. And there was one by Bobby Columbia. Which is not, I was not pleased with that, to be honest with you, because I thought it wasn't T Connection. And I, I, I think they lost the T Connection group, grooves and that. You know, some of the things, okay, you know, but, and then the last one is a funk album. I mean, almost every song is a funk. We did that in the Bahamas, because then that time you had a great studio there. And Dave was the engineer and he did a great job, you know. And so we had stuff like Anything Goes, which is one of my favorites on that album, Anything Goes and Groove all over the world and um, uh, take it to the limit, which is a James Brown kind of thing. With it, dun, 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 you know, you know, I, I kind of took that up with James, and so I like that album. That's one of my favorites. You know? Yeah, so that you guys went out with a bang, you know. Yeah, wise. yeah, yeah. See, because at least we got back on the charts with that one, you know, in R and B charts, and anyway. you know, the um, the first one though, everything is cool. Um, and Groove City, those two tracks in that record. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those two? Well, Everything is Cool was was written by Dave. Um, again, he came, he comes downstairs and said, hey, man, check it. And I was I heard it, and it was funky. I mean, just him playing the guitar, you know, was funky. So we, we put a track to it, and it got even funkier. And so, I mean, I added some words later on. I didn't take any credit for it, but... Because, you know, I had a lot of songs, you know, you know, he, he just started writing, you know, and what was good about him, he's very ambitious and he would always come down and ask me questions. That's why he became such a good soloist. It's because he would always ask me questions about that. And I would say, you know, so do this and do that and, and see what happens. And so we did that. And that was top 10 R&B. That, that reached the top 10, which, like I said, R&B is tough and he, he reached the top 10 with that. So... That that was a funky track. Groove City was a funky track. Uh, Spend the Night With Me was a funky track. You know, so we had some good funk on that. You know. Definitely. And everything is cool. I mean, the groove is so cool. It just it embodies so cool. what yeah. it's called, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and the vocals are good. I mean, it's just yeah. all, everything's great. I, I read somewhere that uh, David Mackey, who you've been uh, calling Dave, I don't know if we said his last name, but was a cousin? Is that true? Or? Yeah, that's my cousin. His, um, on my dad's side, my grandma's Mackie, Marion Mackie. So she is um, the sister to his great-grandfather or his grandfather, something like that, something like that. So we like, well, it related that way. And so I met him in Chicago. He came to see us 
and he took us by, by his house, you know, because he grew up in Chicago. He's born in the Bahamas, but grew up in Chicago. And he and he was he played some stuff. So when we were uh trying to get another guitar in the group, he wanted a solo guy, you know, because Brown was not a solo guy, he was a rhythm guy, brilliant rhythm guy. But I wanted a solo guy, a guy that's a rock feel. So I like his pick technique and his big sound, uh Dave. But when Kirk said to get him, I was like, yeah, but I didn't hear him play anything. I didn't hear him play a song. He just played some stuff that he's working on. And so I said, but yeah, okay. We have to give him a ticket, come down. And he was really nervous. So I said, I'm going to see how good he is, right? <laughs> I'm going to put him right in the fire. So we had a song on, um, oh, God, what's it called? <laughs> you know, playing games. We had playing games. So I said, hey, man, I want you to take a solo on this. So he goes to the back there, and he's nervous as you can be. And... <laughs> And he, he's just not getting it. And the engineer said, man, this guy, you know, he doesn't have it. You know? So I went back there and I just gave him, I just gave him a few words and said, hey, Dave, you are in the band. You're part of T-Connection now. Because he didn't know that. He thought he's just doing an audition. I said, no, you're in the band. And I walked out of the studio. And what you hear on the, on the record, that's what he came up with. He just went crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all he needed to hear was that. You know, and this guy didn't went nuts. And we were like, and whoa. <laughs> so that was that was a fun thing to because he was so nervous, I felt so badly for him. You know, he was like 18 or 19 years old, you know, he was a young guy, but he killed that. He killed that. And he, we had that funk group happening. So I want on top of this funk, I want a rock solo. That's all I had to say. I, all I had to say to him is he's been you you in the group now. You know, so he didn't have to worry about, oh, am I making this in this audition, you know? So mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, uh, everything is cool. Number ten. Um, why do you think Groove City? Um, it looks like it peaked at forty-seven. Why do you think it didn't get over more? I don't know. To me, that's the most mysterious thing. I because that to me was so funky, and we did that on Soul Train, and, and the the kids loved it. I don't know if to me, I think Capital wasn't really, you know, they just put that company together. We were the first on that 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 they put an R and B uh, section, I should say division in the company. So the kind so almost like the guys were just learning, they didn't have an experience like Motown or TK. You say TK had experienced dudes been doing this some way back in the 60s. You know, like they had that Betty Wright song from way back there. They had beginning of the end with Funky Nassau, KC. They had a lot of experience of making hit records with RB. Capital did not. Capital was like a rock company and before that were like Sinatra, Nike and Cole. So they were never an RB company. Okay. So when, when you're dealing with that, it's just that the everything is cool just ran so fast. It ran up so fast. But when you're trying to make a, a second record, well, you, there are things you got to do, you know, and they obviously didn't know what to do there. Because a lot of our stuff, that that should have been bigger. I can't, to this day, I can't, I can't figure out why that didn't, why that peaked so early. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, in my head, um, when I'm thinking of some of the songs that T Connection had, I'm thinking they were bigger hits than they actually were because, you know, I felt like they had that quality, you know. Yeah. Um. So something was not happening too too well there. The only um act I can think of at that time was Natalie Cole that was on Capitol, yeah. um, but she was a big crossover too. So. Yeah. And plus, you know, she had the the pedigree with the Nat King Cole thing, so they're gonna really go next, you know, and they were pushing her harder before we got there you know because when we got to capital with a new with a new uh r&b division they had they signed us and a lot of other groups and basically only two groups had some of the charts us and o'brien all the other groups they had i can't even remember the names now they signed about 10 12 groups at the same time as us and we the only thing that got out of the box we got over the top 10 r&b and i think o'brien had something on the charts too none of the other groups did anything so mm. that's kind of weird because some of those groups sounded really good. You know, they sounded, they did some good records, but I don't know what, what happened there. They actually, they signed uh, George Clinton too, later on with later uh, on. Yeah. Atomic they Dog. Later on, they got more experience. They had something with Ashford and Simpson. Uh, um, I forgot the song. Um, yeah. yeah, they had that big thing with Ashford Simpson. And they had some other stuff later on, but we were just a little bit too early with them. I think. Did you ever meet George Clinton by chance? Like, since... I, no, I did not. No. But I just, the, the guy from their group I met is Bootsy because we toured with him. You know? uh-huh. No, I never met George. 
that's, um, that's, that's Mr. Funk, though, man. Yeah. He's Mr. Funk. There's no way you can't love funk because you have to move when you hear funk. You know, when I hear Clinton and, you know, One Nation on the Brew or, oh. you know, it, I, I can't just sit like, oh, yeah, let me listen to this thing. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to be grooving. You know, your head is going to be moving, you know what I mean? Because funk is funk has that hypnotic effect on people. I'm just glad it was invented because, uh, you know, before funk came in, people were doing the fast 12-8, you know, kind of, you know, you know, you know, but they were accented on two, you know, and James was like, no, hit me on a one, baby. And it was like, see, right there, that's funk. So he changed the whole, he changed the whole music business because everybody played like that after that. All the rock guys played like that. R&B guys play like that. So that's like changing the whole business because he accented on the one as opposed to two. So instead of going, right there, that's it. And so from that, music never looked back. I was thankful that I came along at a time when it was invented, you know? Um, uh, you, came, you came along when funk was really advanced. I mean, it was really, I mean, the guys got funkier and funkier and funkier, you know man. You came in a George Clinton time, man. That's Funkadelics, Parliament, you know. Oh, yeah. You mentioned uh, so many of them, too. And um, uh, one you didn't mention was Cameo. Did you guys ever go out with them? Oh, yeah. I believe we might have done. Either we did a gig with them or one of the gigs was canceled or something. But I, I kind of remember. I mean, it's quite a while ago. But, but I love them. I love them. What they did, they put a little bit of rock in their funk. You know, if you, you know that's why a lot of rock groups play some of their music, you know, but they, they, they were funky, man. Yeah. I, I bought their albums. <laughs> if I bought, I, I, I'm not going to buy you unless you're real funk. You got to be, you can't just be faking the funk. So I bought the album, you know, shake, 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 you know, and they, I like when they do is go, see that they, that funk was different from everybody else's funk. It was really spaced out, you know, so I, I really love them. Yeah. Good yeah. Group. Um, what what was the T Connection show like uh, at the peak of the band? At the peak, um, when we had the six people going on tour with us, there weren't six in the band, but we had added two people to go for the four because we, we were down to four, and that's when we had um, Berkeley. Um, but to me, the we were better when Berkeley came out front and was kind of almost like the, the, the MC or something like that, you know? And so our show was like exciting because of him. Even when he was in the back of the drums, he'd be making a lot of noise back there, yelling and screaming and playing the drums. And so our show was kind of like, like that. But we didn't dance or anything like that. We didn't do that. But we just played. And so we had such great rhythm that we always got the crowd up. Like when we did that first show with Average White Band and Slaves, man, we were on fire. Because to be playing with those guys, a slave would just come out. They'll just come out also. They came out the same time we, we we were out, I think. And so when we went with them, and we like we like that slide that they had, the song slide, and, and they were doing that. We said, wow, you know, because we really love that song. And then Irish Web Band, we love all their songs. So it was it was just fun. So we but we more like we moved, but we didn't dance. But we we just laid that rhythm and we let monks go with the percussion and let him go for a couple of minutes. And that, that used to get the crowd when he does his percussion breaks. Yeah, well, Slave and Average White Band, they were groups that just kind of played mostly, not more. Um, later on, you mentioned Confunction. I think they did a little more movement. And, yeah. um, you know, some of the groups that were out there were doing a lot more, you know, yeah. choreography and movements and things like that. Yeah, we didn't do any of that, but um, there was a girl trying to show us how to do that. I say, I have two left feet. I'll just stay behind the keyboards if you don't mind. <laughs> you can tell the other guys. So some of the guys did some choreo on that on that show. The girl from Casey and the Sunshine Band, the background singer, because she did it with Casey, but Casey just did some basic steps because Casey's a left feet like me. So Casey's not a dancer, man. <laughs> so the horn players do all the dancing and stuff like that, but we didn't have horns. Otherwise, they would have to dance, you know, but we didn't have that. But the guitar players made their little movements, like Dave and, it, and Pat and all those. That's another thing that made T-Connection unique at the time was not having horns, because most of the bands doing funk did have horns. The Isley Brothers come to mind as one 
that did not. No. Um, but um, that kind of made you tailor-made, it would seem, to transition to the 80s because a lot of the groups got rid of the horns going into the yeah. 80s. Yeah. But what happened with, the, with that, I remember I didn't want horns because I said, you know, everybody's, you know what I mean? I like the way the eyes these things were. So that's why I was glad when I toured with them. They had no horns, you know? And so I was like, that's a, and some guy said, so why we have on the third album, we do have horns. But um, they were saying, you, you know, you got to use some horns. You got to use some horns. Because, so that's what the Isis they were using. They said, well, hey, you know, that's the Isis. They've been around for like 40 years or whatever, you know? So I said, okay, we'll do horns on a few tracks. And we did on at midnight. Because that was so Bahamian, with the da 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 that's like jumping da 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 So I heard horns in that, you know, because in Junkanoo, they blow horns. Like that. And so I wanted something like that. And so that's why I have horns in that. And uh, I think I did horns in on the Totally Connected album. I think I have some horn tracks in that. And I, I wrote out the horns. I wrote out the horn tracks in that one. And um, Peter Graves, the guy that um, does Casey's horns, he did the he did the horns on that. This group, Peter Graves. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of um, um, parallels between the keys and the horns, you know, in terms of if, if there's no horns, usually the keys are subbing yeah. in. Um, yeah, well, today, you don't, you, you don't really need because they got horns programmed that sound just like horns. You know what I mean? They, 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 you know, obviously they're not horns, but they're close enough that sometimes people don't even know you didn't use horns, you know. You know, musicians would know or somebody like you used to hearing funk horns and stuff, you would say, ah, I think that's fake horns, you know, but but the average person, they don't know. Yeah. As long as it's accenting where it should. Yeah. Um, in the early 80s, you were around when uh, Rick James and Prince got big and um, did you feel like, wow, these guys, this is a new wave of thing here? Well, we played in Cincinnati and what's that group? Um, there was a group that had that operator Oh, Midnight Star. Midnight Star. They came to see us, and and they, they were like, uh, they were talking about Prince then, and they're saying like, um, and you guys, you you guys heard Prince, you guys want to do something? Else? You know, Prince. We like Prince, but we have our own thing. But they were trying to tell us, hey man, because that's what they did. They really listened to everybody, and they just incorporated everything like that, and put it in their music, and and it worked. It worked out for them, but. I think I thought we already had a sound. We didn't need to do that, you know, because they were saying, you know, that, that Prince thing is where everybody's going. But that was the thing in the 80s, in the 70s and before, nobody wanted you to sound like anybody else. You want to get signed. If you sounded like another group, you, you won't get signed. 80s, would you, they wanted you to sound like whatever was selling. Hmm. And the reason for that was that people who were into music were not, were not running companies anymore. It was like lawyers and whoever you know, business people. And their whole thing was the bottom line, money. And so they were saying, well, this guy made a lot of money and they use his producers. So all of a sudden you had like 10 producers on one album or five producers, you know what I mean? Like instead of Quincy Jones doing that, Quincy was so big, he got to just do whoever he was doing the whole album. But a lot of these other guys, they had Teddy Raleigh doing a couple of tracks, so-and-so doing a couple of tracks, another guy doing a couple of tracks like that, Babyface on the same album. Because they were saying these guys sold a lot of records, so we want them on this album, and so that that hurt us because, like, when um, I was talking to one of the promotion guys, we were on tour on a promotional tour at the time, and uh, no, we were on an actual tour, and he said, "Man, I love you guys, music man, but every time I go to these guys, the radio, they want to know what you guys sound like," and I said, like, "Man, do they sound like Prince?" I said, "No, they don't sound like Prince." Uh, well, who they sound like? So they sound like themselves. He saw like he had to really pull teeth for these guys to get on play. So I, he said, "Put this song on tonight. It was the best of my life. Put that song on tonight, and 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 see what happens." And he said, "The guy put it on, and the phones went crazy." He said, "I see what I was telling you, man. Just put it on, you know, because they wanted you to sound like other people, but that didn't sound like anybody, you know, that didn't sound like anything out there." So, well, how would you describe? you know, the core uh, T-Connection sound? To me, it's that hard, rhythmic, R&B, uh, Bahamian, 
groove and whatever I put on top, whether it's rock, pop, or whatever. Once I put that on, but I would, even when they're doing something like Kush, which is an instrumental, it doesn't that groove is strong. It has that whole behavior African groove happening. Like my thing is groove. Now, if I'm doing a ballad, I can go in all the different lanes and I would go in all those lanes, you know, whether it's classically oriented or pop, when I'm doing a ballad. But when I'm doing a, a dance song, no, I, I, that groove has to be there. And that's why the third album on Capitol, I had a problem with it because the grooves are not big and strong like we like T Connection uh, used to doing because the producer was didn't know that. You know what I mean? And so basically it I don't think that's the T Connection groove there. But I mean the songs are great, but uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's I didn't like the fact that we lost the charts on that album. You know, we all our albums hit the charts, right? And that one didn't, and so that 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 bothered me. That did bother me. Well, was it Capital's choice uh, to uh, downplay showing you guys on the covers? Because uh, those Capital records too, they have like illustrations on the covers instead of the group. Yeah. Which... Well, that was the thing they were doing. Like, like I say, everybody's copying everybody. You know, Earth and Fire had that on one of the albums, and they're like, oh, you know, they were doing that. So, you know. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I, you know, I thought we should have been on one of the covers, yeah. But I, that's the way they wanted to do it. Well, especially the one you're talking about, the game of life. Um, that one you guys um well I can't see the back cover, but um you're certainly not on the front cover and well I had no I had no input into that. That that was the producers, that's what he wanted game of life, and he wanted maze to show the game of life. Um, like I said, I had none. It's not what I would have done on it, but that's what they did. And, you know, they had a clause in there that you had to have a producer. Now, I broke that law uh, a couple of times on two of the albums, but I wasn't supposed to produce those albums based on the contract, but they never... But, like, the Pure Natural album, you're supposed to have a producer. That was a clause in there. Group must use outside producer. Because they didn't like Who's producing themselves? They want to have like three, four producers, like the '80s were, you know. Mm. So I just broke the rules. I just I'm a man producers because pure and natural. I wanted it to really be informed by my culture. I wanted to be, and that's why even a ballad you would hear congas because that's what we did when we played ballads in the Bahamas. We have congas, you know. So that's why you have prominent congas and best of my love or whatever, you know. And um, you might as well dance. That's straight up junkaloo. You know, rushing through the crowd, that's straight up Junkanoo. That's what I wanted to do. I always wanted to have my culture involved in my music. And since I got to produce it, I have a lot of that in there. Girl watching, that's straight up Junkanoo. I mean, you know, that's straight up behaving with, with funk. Because you got all that Izzy Brother kind of funk bass in that, you know. So that's what I wanted, and I got it done. I did notice on the Game of Life uh, record that Tom Scott was involved. He's one of my oh, favorite saxophone players. So, yeah, man, that was that's, that was a highlight of that album. Just to watch him out there, he's so perfect. He's just a perfect player. They did like three different takes of that, and every take was better than the first. He just, you know, no mistakes. Just pure genius. I mean, he was just he's a genius, and, and like like the thing he did on. Um, um, I got news for you, and he got up there and it, with that sax, and he did I think two takes of that, and they can decide which take to use. They're both brilliant, and he did you know the other song with the uh, I guess it was a uh, tenor was it a baritone no a uh, soprano I think anyway he did that there it was unbelievable unbelievable dude. They kind of like superstar on there. I, I like all the songs on that. Some of those songs are my favorite songs. You know, I, I just miss the bigness. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's, you know, the, the, the great songs I love. I, you know, I like them. I play them all the time because I love those songs. And I like a lot of stuff on those songs. I like Tom Scott on those. I like Philip Bailey on a couple of things. Uh, on, I think one song he did. And Mr. Mr. on some stuff. Yeah. You know, only, only thing I miss is the bigness. 
you know, like mm-hmm. like totally get back together. You know what I mean? That but but as far as the songs are great, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, Theo, what what uh, happened uh, after that last record? You know, uh, what happened for you? What happened to the other guys in the band? Well, after that record, um, we've only signed for four albums, and then if they thought you could go further, would sign you, re-sign you, or whatever, but they didn't re-sign. They went more youth. They, you know, we were older. You know, you know, I was like what late thirties or something like that by the time that happened. So they were going for more, more of the youth thing. So you see people like Jody Wadley being promoted, and and some of the other younger, you know, because even though the fire weren't really. They had a problem getting deals with people or getting their videos played, you know, because mm-hmm. I remember Maurice complaining about that. So it's because they were from back there. They look at you from back there. We're doing some new people. I like, you know, because Prince was still young, you know, people like that. Michael Jackson was just was in the early 20s at the time, you know, so they were going in that direction now. They weren't going for the people from back then, unless there were people that never made it. I know the people in the 70s that didn't do anything like uh, Huey Lewis in the news. They went big in the 80s. So it is because they weren't known. So they're like a new act. And then uh, Billy Ocean, people don't know he was back in the 70s. He did nothing. But the 80s, he killed, you know? So it was kind of like that. It was comeback, kind of, you know, Ario Speedwagon. Oh, and Tina Turner came back. Lester, Tina Turner, even rest in, in peace. 40s, yeah. In the 40s when she, when she made, almost 50 years old. So it was about that. It was a people who really didn't get all the way. They made a comeback. Pointer Sisters, another one, yeah. Pointers, yeah. Pointers. It was a lot of them. You can, you can go on and on. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. John Mellencamp, all those people. They were around in the seventies. They didn't make any noise, but they made a lot of noise in the eighties. So the the business kind of went that way, and so they didn't resign us. And so I kind of at that time, I wanted to get into instrumental music. So I, you know, I take a long time to direct. So I took about four years. I did a thing. I signed with Henry Stone. Um, I don't know. He was from the dance group, so maybe he didn't know how to, to, to promote a instrumental thing because he never done that. He, you know, he was from the dance area, R and B, and he was good at that. Because we did better on TK. We did great on TK. You know, every album we did was on the charts, was on R and B charts. That third album, that was number fifty. That peaked at number fifty. Pop on the two hundred. That's we were over a lot of major groups that were bigger than us, you know. So that album was killer, you know. Um, so you know, he he was he was good at getting your stuff out there. What, what was he like? Did you get to know him at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Henry's my man. man. He I love the guy, you know. I know people talk a lot of stuff about Henry, but I I dug Henry, man. I dug him. He was a cool dude, and he's a former musician, you know. So. I dug, he really dug what we were doing. He would always say when people, you know, my favorite one of my favorites on the group on the, on the is T Connection, you know. So he would always say that. But he was a guy you could just hang with, man. He was a cool guy. You know? What? Why did they do it on Dash instead of just TK? They did it with everybody. They just want you to have your own label. They were Dash, and there was um, they had a couple of I don't remember all of them now, uh, but Casey was on TK because he was early. After that, they stopped putting people on different different labels. I can't remember all of them now, but I know we were in Dash, and uh, other people weren't this or that, whatever. Peter Brown was on. I don't remember Peter Brown. Was he on TK? I'd have to look it up. He, he had a couple of funky things too. Yeah, but do you want to get funky with me? He was influenced by us because he's he's coming to the studio with us. He's even planning on do what you want to do. That's him playing the triangle. Oh, really? Right. So he. That's why he said, "Do you want to get funky with me?" Because do you, he was just going off and do what you want to do, do what you want to do, do you want to get funky, and that was a, that was a big song for him. His labels uh, shows drive here. Yeah, exactly. He was on drive. That's yeah. what I was trying to remember. So they put you all on your own little subsidiary or whatever you know, subsidiary. And so we would dash. He was drive, and I don't know, Foxy was something else. I don't remember, but yeah, you know, Foxy, they're friends of mine, especially Ish. He's a good buddy. You know, that was an all Cuban group. Yeah, man, they hit huge with uh, oh, Get Off. Man, yeah. that was like because they were like, man, we want to get we, man that on fire. You guys got uh, we want to get we want to get like that. We want that big that you know. And so they got they got they came up with um, what was it? Get Off, Get, get Off, and then Hot Number. Those two, Hot yeah. Number. Get Off is a killer, man. That's that just killed me when I heard that. 
I hugged the guy. I hugged him so hard. I said, man, you did it. You know, he because we went to see him at a club. They weren't out yet. We were already at Do What You Want to Was Killing. And they wanted to do that kind of stuff. Man, man, do what you want to do. You know, stuff like that. They were going crazy about it. And they came out of that and bang, number one, twice. They went number one twice. Number one, drop back, went back to number one. It was so hot. Yeah, it was like every half hour on the radio in Los yeah, Angeles. They were, they were hot. And the clubs too. Yeah, um, did did you ever do any uh, tours with KC, or they didn't pair you no, up? No, because he went out when we weren't going out. You know, so and KC didn't do a lot of tours when we were out. He did uh, he did tours before that, and KC doing more tours now than he ever did. You know, because he was a studio writer like us too. He wanted to go and make. You know, he's a great songwriter, so he always had songs, and he was producing people like Jimmy Bullhorn and whoever else. So that kind of thing was happening, you know. But yeah, he didn't talk that much then. Now he's touring forever, you know. You know. But no, yeah, he's still out we, there. You know, we never went up with any. Yeah, we went, we were with, did we were with Peter Brown? Yeah, we did one with Peter Brown, you know. And everybody was aghast when they saw him. Oh, that's a white guy? Because he was so funky, right? They thought, yes. you know, oh man, you know. People loved it. People loved it, man. And they didn't show him on that album cover either. So, yeah, but you know, he was so shy that he didn't stay in the business too long, like as far as performing, because he's so shy. Mm. Really beautiful, beautiful guy. Beautiful guy. He's just really nice guy. He didn't want to. He didn't want to be that. He wanted to be the songwriter, producer in the back. So they did that thing from the Donna with um, Material Girl, and I'm sure he did well. They did well with that. Mm-hmm. So that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he did. He, you can see when he's playing on stage, he's looking down, and people are grooving to him. He's not looking at the people, you know. He's just just shy, you know, shy kid. To, to what extent did you, you know, perform the T Connection music in front of people after you know the uh, Capital deal ended? Did I you? didn't do T Connection for. This is an honest statement. I did last the time I'd done Tikkunas was 1985. We did a show in Freeport, Bahamas. And after that, I didn't do Tikkunas until 2003. Seriously. I just, you know, I got fed up with the business because the way it went, I thought it went away from grooves and it became more mechanical. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't want to be involved in that, you know. And so 2003, a guy from Bahamas who I'd done some concerts, concerts with, he came all the way to California. Hey, man, I want to do a thing with you guys, man. I mean, people haven't known you guys for a long time. You need to come back. And I said, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of retired from that because, I, you know, now you guys have come back, man. And he offered us a lot of money, this, this promoter. And he said, I could do two concerts with you guys. You're going to make a lot, you know. And... And he was serious, and so I said, like, "Okay, okay, you know, I just got married here," and so I said, "Okay." Uh, so we went and we did that, and people came out in droves because they hadn't heard us for, for a long time. They came out in droves, so we did that, and then the prime minister was in there, and he said, "Hey, you know what? I want you guys to come back for Independence this year and play." So we had to do that. So we did that. So we did three gigs in that year. And it was all a reunion with the old guy, everybody that was in the group, even the guys who had left, they were there, you know. And so then we did that. And then a few years later, um, this high school, um, the pe- people from a high school called St. Augustine, they call themselves SAC. And they were doing their f- 50th anniversary since they graduated from there or something like that, or since they attended, I remember. And they said, we want T-Connection for that. We don't want anybody else to celebrate that with us. So could you guys do it? And I was like, um, yeah, okay, okay. So I, I kind of was like thinking, should I do it? Yeah. So we did that. And those girls, they did. It was all all girl thing. They, everybody was having girls. And they were brilliant. They had That concert was so well done because they were so brilliant. And so we enjoyed that. And so once you start, they all want next year, somebody wants to do it again. So this other promoter came, so we did we did two weeks and they have two big concerts. These are big concerts. Yeah. So we we did a lot more shows up until 
2015 was the last time I did. And then I was going to go in 2000, uh, in 2020, you know, because I hadn't been for five years. Because we did the carnival in 2015, but uh, the disease, uh, the COVID got hit, and it was like, oh, I'm not going on a plane because of COVID. And so we didn't we didn't get to do that. Now they want me to come back this month and next month to do the independence celebration. So I may be doing that if they get everything together in time. So I may be doing that. How was it when you got back together? Did you just fall right into it or did you have right, to rehearse right much? It, right into it, right into it. And Berkeley this time was out front because he was a drummer, but we had a drummer who was a great drummer. He plays with everybody, you know, uh, whoever, Shaka Khan, whoever, he plays with everybody. And so he was playing drums. And I said, but you need to go from, get from behind the drums because you're such a personality. And so he was like out there, you know, pushing the band and everything like that. So it was great, man, to have him. And I have Brown back too. And so every concert we did, we had everybody except uh, the carnival because Berkeley had passed away from cancer. And Marty also died. So two of the original guys are not with us anymore. So so we that we had to replace them. And we got some good replacement, but you know, you can never replace somebody who's original with their original sound, but you just do the best you can, you know. If somebody's gonna replace Berkeley, he had a unique voice, you know. Yeah. Well, there's no bands around now really that have all the original members still oh, yeah, um yeah, yeah. so but we're um, older now you know we're older now people are passing away you know so but still you know carrying it on i think is important um yeah. and uh you know it occurred to me uh, theo did you guys ever do uh soul train or any tv yeah, back in the day soul train. we did soul train that was a high point of my career man Soul train because we did american bandstand before soul train we did american bandstand in 77 81 we did soul train and man, that was so good. And, you know, because you had the dancers that were, some of the dancers were doing the makeup for us. And I was like, aren't you dancing? Like that? Yeah, but we're doing your makeup. But I said, oh, wow, okay. You got these pretty girls on my makeup. <laughs> so when we went on, and what happened is you played a slow song first. I didn't know that. You played that first. So <laughs> we did the paradise. And so the two guys came in, you guys do anything fast? That's <laughs> the, yeah. But they wanted to do for it. They play the song, the, the slow song last when they do the show, but you perform that first. And so, yeah, we got we got something for you. And we did Groove City. And it went over real big. That's why I was wondering, I was wondering why did that take off? Because it was, people, the Soul Train crowd loved it. They were, yeah, you know? But yeah, we did Soul Train, Don Cornelius, and he was making fun of our accents and everything. <laughs> I got to go look that up. Maybe it's on YouTube. Yeah, it was funny. That was good. And does we, does did, it? we did. No, I said it was funny with with him. He was a jokester, real jokester, Don Cornelius. You know, even backstage, he'd be joking with us. You know, he was a character, man. <laughs> but that was good. But we, before that, we did Dick Clark, and he was a lot more serious. You know, like we go back. We, and he, I'm doing makeup here, and he's right there, and I'm thinking. Dick Clark right there, you know what I mean? Because he's a phenomenal, you know, he's a big, he's an icon, you know? And he's so relaxed, you know? He, he, he only raises his voice. Says, yeah, so he's talking something about yourself. Um, you're going to tell him the bombs. Yeah, I just need to know so I can ask you certain questions. I was so nervous when I went out there that I sounded like an idiot when I was trying to do this. <laughs> I so nervous, man. Because it was, you know, and everybody in Freeport took the day off to watch that. Because mm -hmm. Haven has uh, never been on a show like that. And so that was fun. It was fun. And we looked good on it. We had these things that people haven't seen clothes like that. And so all the girls and guys want to know where we got those clothes. So I said, you know, it's in Freeport, a place called the International Bazaar. So they were, when they come over, they say, hey, where's the International Bazaar? We want to get some of those clothes, you know? Because I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's these colorful shirts, and it goes down all the way down your leg, and then you have a belt on it. You know, it, it was that cool. So, mm. another high point. Wow, I'm glad I brought that up. Um, that's great stories. Mm. Um, looking back, 
Theo, what would you say um, related to T-Connection that you're most proud of accomplishing? Um, the fact that I come from a poor family in the Bahamas, not dirt poor, obviously, but um, not a well-to-do family or anything like that. And I'm, I come from a small island, a small country, I should say, and to wind up where we wound up. Uh, you know, known all over the world, you know, there are people doing that stuff in, in Indonesia, <laughs> covering our something. You know what I mean? Indonesia, where's that? You know, it's way miles and thousands of miles away. Japan and all that. So to me, I'm so proud of that. I wish my mom could just be here to see that because she died young. I was only 14. So that's, that's a regret that she didn't get to see that because she'd have been so proud, to, you know. But that to me, that's the thing that that hits me when I think about wow, you came from this little country, you know what I mean, and you had all these albums on the charts. We had we did eight albums and seven of them made the charts. You know what I mean, and we didn't tour that much. Had we toured more, you know, we would have had higher chart thing. But I didn't know how important uh, touring was at the time. I learned that later. That's that's what the the deal is you, you tour you sell more you know but i didn't know but yeah I, i'm really proud of that i'm happy about that i think we made a mark in music and um a lot of behaviors are proud of us because of that as they should be what um if you're able to what would be your one or two favorite all-time tracks of the band you, you mentioned one earlier funk connection <laughs> Man, I like to listen to that rap on that and the way we had so much fun with that because we had the girl in front of that that's talking in front of that. She was working in the studio and she went, we need, we need a girl to, to say something. And so she, the guy said, hey, my girlfriend could do it. And she's a beautiful Cuban girl. And so she comes in there and she's walking to high heels and we say, say something. So he said, hey, baby, where are you from? She said, <laughs> Man, I mean, rumba or something like dance. I want to dance a rumba or something like that. And then we we just go into that groove, which is a great groove, just the way I wanted them to play. Like I told them to play it. That's what I wanted with that guitar. And I, I I love listening to it, man, because I'm very very proud of that. And so that's one of the that's one of them. Paradise. I like that because how it came to me. That it's a ballad. And right away, I got that melody sailing on the summer breeze. And I got all that melody right there. And I felt like, wow, something must have came into me and did because I had no idea what I was doing. I just, and so I had to flesh that song out. And when I did it, you know, and it's a, the reason it doesn't get a lot of cover is a hard song to sing for a one, one person. That's something Urban and would use two singers on. But I sang it the whole thing because it's so low and then it goes up so high. So usually Urban Fire have Maurice do one part and then Philip Bailey come in. So that was that kind of song. But because I did the whole song, people, it's hard. They can do Best of My Love. They, a lot of people do, they cover that. But they don't cover that one because of the distance. Me, a girl could do a good job on that, but I think a guy would have a problem because you have to go so low. You have to go, they have a dream of paradise. And then you have to go way up here. You know, so I, I think that's, but that's what my, the, Song I'm really proud of because I got it. I think someone somewhere was giving me those clues or something. I really love that song. But as far as up tempo funk songs, man, if you're talking about that, funk connection. Um, another one I like that's kind of behaving as funk is uh, Let Yourself Go. That was big in England. Let yourself go. I like that. It's funky and it's, and it's rock at the same time, and it's disco at the same time. So I, I like that one. But coming back from War Man, that's another one of my favorites. Um, I got so many favorites, man, and, and it's, it's hard to say. You just named four of them, so that's pretty good. Yeah, um, and, uh, two... anything goes. Don't forget that one. Anything goes, man. That you know, a lot of the prison gangs like that. <laughs> I didn't know that the Mexican gangs. They put that on YouTube. This is prison gang number so and so, and they, they this is our song. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yes, that is interesting. I, I had no idea what's happening. You never know. Um, so, what are you doing today, Theo? 
I'm working on uh, three projects. I'm doing an instrumental uh, jazz, pop jazz CD, and I'm doing um, I'm doing a, another Tekken Action album. Um, it's mostly going to be Kirk and me because a lot of the people have passed on it, like I said. Um, and Dave is doing his own thing, and, and so, but he and I have put together some things we can release as Tekken Action. And uh, I'm trying to, um, later on, I'm going to mix a live version so people can hear what T-Connection sounded like live uh, when we had everybody. Uh, I'm going it, to, it's tough. You have to go through a lot to mix it properly because it was done on stuff that wasn't really that good. But you have so much technology now, you can pull it off to MIDI and stuff like that, you know. So I'm doing that. So I'm doing three projects at the same time. So. Wow. So you're saying we might hear a new, the first T-Connection project in uh, almost 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been it's been almost 40 years. That's right. Wow. So I think it was 84. Yeah. Next year would be 40 years. It's going to be the last one. So. Wow. I, that's fantastic news, though. Is it going to be funky? Is there going to be some funk on there? There's going to be some funk on it. But it's going to be informed more by Bahamian music than anyone, but it's going to be funky as hell. I mean, it's going to be funky. All right. Yeah, well, I can't... I'm, I'm into the funk, man, you know, but it's going to be funky. You know? And when do you think it might come out? Uh, I'm looking forward to no later than the autumn, you know. The autumn should be in a couple months and should have it done. I think it's almost done. I think the instrumental is pretty much done. All I'm doing is just mixing it you know already put everything everything is really done on so i'm doing and what that. and what about the live stuff the live stuff yeah i'll get to that next because that, that'll be easier than these other things because it's the music already done i'm just trying to get it to sound good so basically that's what I'm gonna, and that's going to come through technology you know some things you'll have to midi because you know some things you don't hear because it's not recorded it's not recorded on a like I say, a studio situation, like somebody comes out there with a studio and makes some different tracks. So you have to separate all the tracks. And then some you have to MIDI because some things that get lost. And so when you MIDI it, it comes out. You know, that you could you can put it there and then you you do a MP3 on it. Let's say you take the bass, you put an MP3 on it, and then you bring it back, it's louder. So you can hear Kirk louder. Whereas if you just did it, you you wouldn't he would be way in the back. So if he's going to do what you want to do, you want that right in front. So what you do is you just take that, separate that from the other tracks, and then uh, MP3, bring the MP3 back in, it gets louder. And so you, you can do, but that takes a lot of work too. But at least the music is already done because we already played it, you know. But the the Tika National album, that's going to be, that's going to be, I think it's, it's going to be funky. Well, that'd be great for all of us that we're not fortunate enough to see the group play live back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So, how can people kind of, you know, find out when you might have something coming out and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I'm on Facebook and I, I always let people know what I'm doing. Uh, sometimes I put some of the stuff that they have forgotten about, like like uh, Anything Goes or something like that. I put on Facebook or, or, or Take It to the Limit. You know, I put that on Facebook and people go, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, remember that, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I usually let people go through that, you know. Well, look out for you on Facebook. Um, yeah. And if uh, you do put out the record, um, do you think it'll be a physical copy or only downloading or streaming? Or? Um, I want it I want it to be a physical copy, but, but I know it's going to be mostly downloads. But, I, you know, I'm from old school, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what I know. I know physical copies. Uh, you know, I'm learning about the, all the other things because you know I come from that time where, you know, and what I like about the old albums they were on vinyl, so it comes up the vinyl like that. But you know, when it's digital, it it still sounds good, but it, it's not as strong as the vinyl. So that's why a lot of people are now getting record players and getting vinyl, but the vinyl is so expensive, you know. Yeah. Especially those uh, twelve-inch singles from back in the day of the vinyl, that those spread-out grooves. Yeah, I mean that really brought the bottom and. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that on digital as much, but you, you can still get good stuff on it. But it just we we know that old school thing, and a lot of the kids they don't know it, so they accept the, they you know. Yeah. Well, for my crowd, they love that vinyl, man. Yeah. 
Well, I'm all about physical copies too. So hopefully we'll see that. And uh, it's so great to catch up with you. And man, thank you for sharing the stories and thank you for all the fantastic music, Theo. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it because I love your show and I'm going to keep watching your show. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.